Dominus Fobiscum, amigos, and welcome back to another episode of the Heavenly Toast podcast. Thank you for joining me here. And today we're going to be discussing the readings for the fifth week of Easter. And I think in these readings, at least the way that I read them this time around, I really felt like we're kind of getting a gut check here um, during these Easter season. As I look at the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, we read a lot about how Paul and Barnabas are traveling really around the known world at that point. They're going to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. They're going to Pamphylia, Talia, back to Antioch. I mean, they're going all over the place and showing this good news to both the people in the synagogues, the Jews, and to the Gentiles. And as they present this, they're met with many, many obstacles along the way. But the line that really struck me out of this reading was that they're, they're exhorting some of the disciples to persevere in the faith. And they say, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When we hear that, I think that that's something that kind of strikes us as uh, pious babble, um, for lack of a better term. It's something that sounds like it belongs in the Bible, and we kind of, I think, glaze over something like that a lot, being uh, sort of what we expect from religious talk. But when I, when I hear that statement, I'm really thinking about the magnitude of what's being said there, that being a disciple costs greatly. And in order to persevere in the faith, we need to undergo many hardships. It's uh, a far cry from what the life of faith looks like, I think, in the modern world. You know, we're not going to Iconium and Lystra and Antioch. We're not traveling around the world. We're not under threat of really being stoned in most places for our faith despite the fact that that does exist in places. I mean, obviously we saw the horrific bombings in Sri Lanka and uh, certainly elsewhere. But here in America, that's not really our day-to-day -day experience of the life of faith. A lot of times it's very comfortable. A lot of times it's church on Sundays and then we go back and we do whatever we want. Or, you know, maybe it's church on Saturday night because we don't want to interfere with the football game on Sunday. Or maybe it's just church when I feel like it. You know, it's, it's a very comfortable sort of a thing. And when we go back to our homes, we are not transformed and not changed in any way. And I guess I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been working on an uh, actual podcast episode for the letter that accused Pope Francis of heresy that came out a couple weeks ago. So expect that to come up in the next week or two. But reflecting on the dichotomy, not necessarily dichotomy, but the difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy and the relationship between those two things. So what does that mean? Orthodoxy, doxa coming from the Greek, I believe, uh, meaning belief or common common belief. Um, orthodoxy means correct belief, believing what is true and what is right. Orthopraxis, praxis coming again, meaning practice as opposed to theory. 
So orthopraxis means right practice. There's a relationship between those two things, obviously, because they both concern the truth, what is true, what is correct, and what is right. And I think that we kind of have this um, sort of difficulty in the modern church between the relationships between those two things. Over the past 10 to 20 years, we've really had a push for orthodoxy, believing the right things. There's been a lot of books and talks and seminars and videos that have been produced about the faith, about knowing what the church actually teaches. In the modern Francis papacy, there's been a large push towards orthopraxis, practicing those beliefs correctly, which I think has largely gone to the wayside when we have all of this push towards orthodoxy, where personal holiness almost feels like it's it's related to, oh, well, if I read these books and listen to these talks, then I'll be holy, then I'll be a disciple. Partially, but not entirely true. What we have in the gospel reading is a section from sort of the end of the Last Supper discourse um, from Jesus to his apostles, where he says, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. And then he gives the apostles the great commandment. He says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And I think that this is something that, you know, we hear the word love, and it conjures up these images of happy, clappy, hippy-dippy sort of like, oh man, just love one another and everything like that. But as I have loved you, so you should love one another. This is intimately related to the person of Jesus and the person of God. Who God is and how he loves us. That's how we are to love one another. When we look at love, love sacrifices. It is self-giving to the point of giving itself away entirely. That's how God loves us. It's not simply some, oh, we'll just be nice to people. Don't be the mean guy. Just, just be nice. Be good. That's all fine and dandy, and that's tending more towards the orthopraxis side about how do you live it out. But orthodoxy must come into place there as well. How do we love other people? And how can we love them truly? Well, in order to love them truly, we have to have some semblance of knowledge of what the truth is at that point. So these two things gel together in the person of Jesus, who is God and is truth, and loves perfectly, follows perfectly the will of the Father. When we see what Jesus does and how he loves, he endures horrible suffering, he goes all the way to the cross, all the way to the limits of God-forsakenness to bring his church, his people, to redemption and to salvation. He stoops down and washes the feet of the disciples, and then he gives, him, gives them his very body and blood in the gift of the Eucharist at the Last Supper. He is completely self-giving to the point of madness, that's how we are to love. 
And when we look at the first reading, saying that it is necessary that we suffer many hardships for, to enter the kingdom of God, this is what we're talking about here. This is where orthodoxy and orthopraxy meet, knowing that it's not simply some feel-good sort of love that we have and we are called to have for those around us. It's a self-giving, self-denying, self-effusive love that spreads itself out and that stretches us to love even the unlovable, even the people who hate us. That's the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. And that's the kind of love that we are called to give of ourselves and to put into every relationship that we have. Even the relationships that we have with those people who don't like us, those people who don't see eye to eye with us, those people that are far away or those people that look differently from us. That's what we're called to. To constantly seek the truth and to put that truth into action by works of love. And how do we do that? Well, the church offers us the works of mercy, the corporal works and the spiritual works of mercy that take this truth, the knowledge that every human being is stamped with the image and likeness of God and that God goes to any depth, any length to love us. We know those truths and we put them into action in these works. So what are these works? The corporal works. Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, comfort the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. And the spiritual works of mercy, instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, admonish sinners, bear wrongs patiently, forgive offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted, and pray for the living and the dead probably do a series at some point on breaking down those actual works of mercy. But in those pieces, we look to Jesus Christ, who is God himself, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we recognize in him that truth and follow him down the road of discipleship, even if it means enduring hardships, even if it means giving away ourselves in love. That's what we are called to. That's the love of the Christian life. That's the call of the disciple. So as we move forward in this season of Easter, we can grow in the faith by not only knowing and learning about the truth, but also putting it into right practice by a love that is self-giving. Until next time, stay in the state of grace, and God bless, friends.